0: Hi, and welcome to Firefly Ignite. Today we get to hear from Karen Sherwood, who is the founder and director of Coppola Gallery in Sheffield. Coppola remains one of the most respected contemporary galleries in the north of England. Incidentally, this interview took place a few months ago inside the upper hall of the gallery, but due to some unforeseen events this year, it's just being published. However, since that interview took place, Coppola has celebrated its 30th anniversary. So
1: I hope that you enjoy listening to Karen share the story behind it all. I'm very lucky in some ways because um, unlike many people from the age of about 15, I decided I wanted to open an art gallery. You know, I, I my friend uh, Jenny and myself designed uh, while we were at school um, a very progressive art centre. Um, that had obviously my contemporary gallery in. She wanted to open a bistro. She also wanted to open a Japanese um, food place, which uh, didn't exist. We had independent fashion retail. We had um, uh, music recording. We were, we were ahead of the curve. Wow. You know, we had a full-on um, um, kind of art center vision. And uh, it was it was hilarious, actually, because we built into ours a, uh, a stress relief room, which I think is a massive oversight for all the art centres that uh, currently exist which um, basically was um, designed to be like a, um, a padded cell, except for it had noisy walls. So the idea is you could go in, scream the place down, uh, throw, smash things and bash the walls, making loads of noise, but not hurting either yourself or anybody else. <laughs> so um, that was um, when... Uh, when I was at school I mean when I was very young I wanted to be a stunt woman but that's another story okay it's it's a very strange thing actually because uh, I went from um, a comprehensive school to a private school um, passing an entrance exam to get in I do tell everybody that I cheated in the entrance exam but it just shows initiative as far as I'm concerned (laughs) and um and I loathed it. I absolutely loathed it. I was the girl from the local comp. I was in second-hand school uniform. I, um, I didn't fit at all, you know. And I absolutely hated it. And uh, it was really strange because they didn't they didn't like the arts. It was like if you were a bit stupid, they'd stick you in the art room. You know, the idea was you'd all go and do science, and. Um, you know, it, it didn't suit me. I mean, I rode um, a motorbike to school and they made me change off school premises because they didn't want to trouser clad figure in a girl's school. And um, it was only really when my friend Jenny came in sixth form that I made any friends at all. So I, it was not a good experience. Right. Um, it was interesting, actually, because I did I did arts and languages at A-level and uh, and I started to feel hugely guilty uh, to want to do any kind of arts uh, career. And um, so when I was getting a leaning towards doing art, I thought, oh, it's OK, I could do graphic design. Not a cat in hell's chance they had to put my foundation work in quarantine because okay. I was so filthy, I would just leak on everything <laughs> on everything else. Um, and... Uh, my my mother was absolutely brilliant actually because she said um you can do whatever you want to do all I ever wanted you to have was a choice mm, yeah. it was really you know it was brilliant but I had this I had this weight on my shoulders that that you know uh I didn't want to waste right that opportunity right. From, from um from my parents yes and uh, and so when i did foundation i kept thinking oh it's fine i'll be able to do graphic design and i just i just couldn't you know i had fine art written all over me but i didn't even know what fine art was mm-hmm. um because it, it wasn't really on my on my radar if you like and and then obviously when it became obvious that if i was going to do a degree it wasn't going to be it wasn't going to be graphic design she was she was really really supportive um because um, when I applied for art college, the foundation kind of, I, which I did at Loughborough, uh, cause I was brought up in Kegworth, which is right in the Midlands. Um, I, they said, well, what would you want to do? And I said, I really don't know. And they said, well, I think you should do fine art. And I'm like, oh, all right then. And, um, like I said, I really didn't know what it was. And, um, I applied to Newcastle and I didn't get in. And I thought, oh, it's OK, I'll, I'll reapply. And, uh, and then again, one of my tutors at Loughborough said, oh, I think Sheffield would like you. I said, well, it might have been useful to tell me that before I applied. Anyway, <laughs> so um, I applied to Sheffield and they offered me a place on the day. OK. Which was which was brilliant. And... Uh, and so I ended up doing fine art, and I really didn't have a clue what I was doing. I had loads of fun, but I had no notion of what I was doing or why I was doing it. Mm-hmm. But in the back of my mind, I'd still got this, you know, I'd like to open an art gallery. <sighs> um, so I did the foundation, I did the degree, and then I graduated. And then I was like, well, what do I do now? I no idea. Mm-hmm. Um, So I had this idea of wanting to open an art gallery and I tried to get some help and advice. You're kidding me. I mean, what's so shameful is like I've run the gallery 30 years this year. In 1990, looking for advice about what it costs or what it takes to open an art gallery, there was no published information. 30 years later, there's still no published information about what it takes or what it costs to to wow. open an art gallery. And I've since learned that's because nobody wants to tell you. Right. <laughs> no, nobody wants you to know right. because it's actually really, really tough. Yeah, And most people don't want to say, I don't earn any money, you know, or it's a second business tax loss right. or it's mm-hmm. a, you know, whatever it mm. is. Um, an awful lot of private galleries are run by people that don't need to make any money out of them. Sure. That should ring alarm bells, shouldn't it, really? Or have plenty of money in the first place. And the joke is the only way to make a small fortune out of an art gallery is to start with a large one, um, which, you know, wasn't my situation at Great. all. So I I tried to get some advice and... Um, I went I went to all kinds of places. I even went to the Arts Council. And the Arts Council have since told me that nobody should have t- said this to me, but they did. They actually said to me, we've supported so many galleries in the past that have gone down the Swanee. We don't bother anymore. So you can imagine I was inspired with confidence. <laughs>
0: I'm sure.
1: Uh, I went on some kind of business courses that were basically buy it in, mark it up, sell it off. So right. of course I'm going, well, that's not what I want to do. And they're like, oh, Prince's Youth Business Trust, no idea. You know, just it was it was phenomenally difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, but me being me, um I decided I'm going to I, I'm gonna I'm gonna put on a show. So me and my friend Sharon, who had graduated a, a year or so before me, um decided to put on a little uh, exhibition where I was living at the time, which is a flat above a butcher shop on um, Worcester Nome Road in, in Netheredge in Sheffield. Sharon was a printmaker, well, is a printmaker, well, she's a multidisciplinary artist now, but um, she silk- went up to the art college, silkscreened a whole load of invites, and um, we got a few things framed, put them in the flat, and um then we thought well who do we invite invite because everybody we knew was 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 either unemployed or unemployable they were all artists Now it's a terrible thing to say but um the the truth was if you said hello I'm an artist most people would me would take that to mean hello I'm on the dole right you know And so you know, what do we, what do we do with these invites? So we basically carpet bombed the place. We took them to the churches, we took we took them to the theaters, I harassed people at bus stops. um I took them to the people who had the sh- shops, you know, below us. I sent them out to to friends. And um six zero approximately 40 to 60 people came to a flat above a butcher shop on Worcester Nome Road, which is extraordinary. I mean, we had put free alcohol, but you know. (laughs) Um, And the thing was, people not only came, they bought things, you know. And yes, the things we were uh, selling weren't, Expensive, but they were unusual. Okay. And people don't buy things just because they're cheap. Right. You know, you can go to a, a charity shop or a car boot sale. Just because it's cheap doesn't mean you buy it. You have to still like it. And obviously, armed with this extensive uh, market research, <laughs> I was going, well, people are buying it, but they're not buying it in Sheffield, you know. Uh, I mean, when I first graduated, I looked to find anywhere to show, you know, uh, the work that I and colleagues were making, and people would look at me and say, "What in Sheffield?" And I'm like, "Yeah, it's the fifth largest city in the UK," and they go, "Oh, <laughs> great! Oh, my goodness. oh I'll <laughs> never sell it in Sheffield." Um, and uh, and I was like, "Well, there must be somewhere," and there was the it was basically you know in the art college there was a, a small gallery but that wasn't a place to you know sell work and and people said oh there's the university library i mean honestly this this is how it was and somebody said oh there's um there's the the little gallery in crooks well little was was very polite it was minute I couldn't hardly get an A1 portfolio through the door (laughs) I mean I was just I was just absolutely appalled which is why we we put on this exhibition because I thought you know there has to be a market there has to be it makes no sense and um and that's why I tried to get some uh, you know advice about how to set up a gallery um because that happened after I tried this, this you know, extensive market research. obviously. Right. and um, it it was it was nuts. I mean, I went to the bank, who virtually patted me on the head. I mean, I am not kidding you, um, and told me to go away um wow but so so I was like well I I can't do it you know I can't borrow money I haven't got a clue how much it would cost I you know it's not this business model there isn't a business model out there I can copy so I couldn't do it right so I just thought well I can't do it so I was waitressing at the time I adver- advertised myself as a freelance um, artist and I drew a few dogs and babies and there's plenty of artists out there who knew exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah. Um, and, and then um, this uh, weird situation happened. Um, this guy got in touch with me um, about doing some freelance artwork And the guy who got in touch with me was a guy who ran a Picture Framers, which is where we are now. Okay. Okay. And he said, uh, I'm looking for somebody to paint tabletops in a faux naive African style to export from America. (laughs) And I'm like, um...
0: (laughs) Just your style, right? (laughs) No, uh,
1: no, definitely not. And... um. But anyway, we ended up having a conversation, um, and he ran a picture framers, and he was running it down to either sell it or leave it because he was um, emigrating to Alaska. Honestly, you can't make this stuff up; it's mm-hmm. entirely, mm-hmm. entirely true. Like, oh. okay, and and um, and I didn't think any any more about it really, and then about. I don't know, weeks later, it could have been months later. I mean, after 30 years, my memory's all over the place, really. But um, completely out of the blue, um, I received a letter through my... Landed on my doormat, opened it up, and in it was a cheque for £15,000. Oh, my goodness. What on earth is this? And it was... um, an inheritance my grandma had died about i don't know a year earlier and i'd not thought anything about it other than obviously my grandma had died and it was completely wow. unexpected a check in the mail yes. D- just you, you can you can't and immediately my little brain went oh <laughs> not i'll put a deposit on a house oh i'll you know invest it i'm like oh Maybe I can open an art gallery. (laughs) Anyway, so I went back to this guy and I said, how much do you want for your picture framing business? And he said, I want £10,000. I went, oh. The landlord, the next door property to the picture framers was empty. And the landlord said, well, if you take next door, I'll give you a deal on the rent. Now, I paid off my debts, my partner's debts. I ran off to Scotland to get married. (laughs) I had £6,000 left. And I said, if I give you £6,000, can I pay off the last four within the first year of running the business? Um, And uh, the landlord said, yeah, all right then. So I then gave him a deposit, ran off to Scotland to get married, came back, um, painted the place... Uh, the next door white learned how to picture frame in a fortnight and opened a gallery unbelievable it was absolutely unbelievable. insane unbelievable <laughs> it was just bonkers and my husband said if I knew you were going to open an art gallery I never would have married you wow but and and for me you know, I never had that money, so I never had any money to lose. Sure. Do you know what I mean? It was it was like a lack of fear. I always say I opened an art gallery when I was too stupid to know any better, <laughs> <laughs> um, because yeah, it was it was completely. There's an opportunity. If I'm ever going to do it, I do it now. Right, right. And like I said, I, I just had the desire, and that was it. And um, but I have to say, I was hugely disappointed by the response to me doing this, because me being me thinking, um, well, Shefford hasn't got an art gallery. they will be all over it like a rash. <laughs> nah. And I said, oh, I'm going to make an art gallery. Um, if you're interested in submitting work, um, you know, this day, drop it off. Whatever. So th- there's a, a studio with, I don't know, however many, 30 plus, there might have been 60 plus. I really don't know how many people were in the, were in the old um, Yorkshire Arts Space building. But um, one person submitted work for consideration out of a whole studio group. Why was that? Well, it can't be any good if it's in Sheffield. Oh. And it certainly oh can't be any good if it's in okay. Hillsborough. I see because that's where it was and I was like this is bizarre you know um but because I was a recent graduate an artist newsletter um was around at the time I advertised and we got you know we got a show together and and um opened it and to to start with because I was um kind of cautious if you like I had traditional work in one side and more contemporary work which is what I wanted to show in the other side so kind of traditional work in where we were picture framing not to scare people and um and contemporary work in the gallery space because it was basically just two, the two downstairs rooms so the picture framing and the empty room next door um turned into a gallery with a, just a, a corridor walk through um to get there and um it was it was a bit of a shock really um that you know obviously I did a press release and stuff and the um the response was it'll never work we'll give you six months you know and and I was like but why and people said you know um oh it'll 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 never work in Hillsborough and I've I have since learned that you know Sheffield is described as the largest village in England for a good reason, because people don't move. I am four miles from the city centre, and you'd think I was on the other side of the planet. Uh, Hillsborough um, is, was traditionally known as the kind of white working-class district of, of the city. You know, it certainly wasn't the posh side. Of the city, and as you know, most galleries tend to be in the posh side of the city, sure. and that's not what I was. Sure. And so people said, "Oh, it'll never work in in Hillsborough rather than Sheffield." But you know, the the truth is, I still get people even now ringing me up saying, "Oh, oh i have heard of you, but I've never been because you're a bit far." And I say, oh, where are you ringing from? Thinking they, they're going to tell me Hampshire. Right. And they say Netherend. No. Oh, yes, oh they do. Oh, my goodness. And, and and I'm like... Because at one point, I had a Canadian woman who worked for me who could not get her head around this at all because she'd go, i fly 200 miles at the weekend to see my friends. You know, I, I, I don't get this. But anyway, I said after the, the press release, well, well, why? You know, and they, they said, oh, well, you know... Um, Uh, Sheffield's more interested in antiques I'm like well whatever and they'd say oh well there's no money in in Hillsborough again people can't move and I said what do you mean there's no money people buy houses, clothes, cars they go on holiday they do up their houses what what are you talking about and they go oh well they wouldn't choose to spend it on art and I said well they haven't got much of a choice have they and I said well this is ridiculous how can you decide what your taste is if you're never given a choice we're not born eating Kellogg's cornflakes and liking Walt Disney you know right yes you know but it was it was interesting because I certainly got press. Because of where I was, right. you know. And so I had people who travelled, who went... I love the fact that you're trying to make it accessible. Uh, and I was, you know. Um, I mean, uh, I before the pandemic, I'm quite well known for offering free chocolate cake every Saturday and free teas and coffees and all of that. But it's extraordinary how um, entrenched people's views are mm-hmm. about right. um, galleries. I mean, I've had... So many people terrified of coming in. I mean, when I opened the gallery, it was sandwiched between a betting shop and a laundrette, round the corner from the Sheffield Wednesday football ground. I mean, how is that intimidating? But it still was. I mean, I once had a guy stood outside of the window for a good 10, 15 minutes, which is a long time to stand outside the window. And eventually, he knocked on the window and opened the door very slightly. And he said, "Do you mind if I come in?" I said, "No, I thought you'd stuck." <laughs> I said, "Anyway, I, you know, welcomed him in, and we had a chat. and And I said, "Do you mind me asking why you did, you didn't come in for so long?" And he said, well, I thought you might ask me to go away because I might not be the type of person you want in your art gallery.
0: Interesting.
1: And I hate that. I absolutely hate that. I mean, I've had extraordinary experiences um, like that. Yeah, I have customers that would never, ever have been my customers had I been on the other side of town. And I have people that come from all over the place now uh, to the gallery. I've had people... um, move house you've put notes in through my door saying you made this area for us you know i've it's been an extraordinary journey i mean a couple of people have asked me to write a book and i started writing because the truth is all human life has passed through the gallery um and I realised I'd have to publish it like Mark Twain 100 years after I've died. <laughs> because there is no way I could tell some of the stories that, you know, have happened here. It's just not possible. <laughs> um, I mean, it's, it's extraordinary. What you, what you don't realise is um, this room that you're in now uh, was my front room. Okay, I couldn't afford to expand the gallery any other way, so I moved in. And I only moved out when I was nine months pregnant. And I bought a house so I could walk to work. Mm -hmm. So I still live around the corner. Great, okay. Um, The only, well, I wouldn't say the only reason I'm still here. But one of the main reasons I'm still here, despite the trauma of the trams and floods and now a plague. I mean, we've had just about everything. No fire, thank the Lord. Um, Yeah, I'm touching everything here. (laughs) Um, But I'd been open about three months And a guy walks in the gallery, who I don't know, who walks past me straight into the gallery and spends a good 15 minutes looking at a particular piece of artwork. Again, very extraordinary. Anyway, he comes back into where I was picture framing because I did all the picture framing. It's just so many stories. Um, And he comes right up to me, far too close to my face, right into my personal space, looks at me and says, "'You don't know who I am.'" He said, "'And uh, I don't know you.'" He said, "'But you've opened an art gallery in my old backyard, "'and I like it, so I'm going to help you.'" "'Mind you, you better learn to do as you're told.'" I beg your pardon. Turns on his heels, walks out. "'Who on earth was that?' Anyway, this guy starts coming in regularly. He's only ex-marketing director of London Weekend Television. He's only been a senior marketing executive for Nestle. He's only, I mean, uh, (laughs) an amazing guy who was called um, David Butterfield. He died very young, which is hugely tragic. Um, And I didn't know he was ill, but he gave me three months of his time for nothing and he he made me understand marketing he made me understand the game he talked to me about sexism he he was extraordinary he was like a mentor you couldn't ask for you know um and he was quite challenging he was difficult but he was extraordinary and i think about it quite often that I realise now he was poking me to decide whether or not I was worth his time. Right. You know? And I know uh, now, you know, he would—he was charging £600 a day for his time back then, 30 years ago. And he gave me three and a half months, you know, for nothing. And um, and so he would teach me all the stuff. He, des- he gave me my... He designed my logo. He taught me... Um, Uh, But he helped me uh, uh, curate my first exhibition programme, all kinds of stuff he taught me, you know. And um, then he would disappear. He would disappear. And then three months later, he'd turn up and go, show me what you've done. And I felt like I was at school. And I'd go, oh, I've done this, I've done that, I've done the other. And he'd go, good girl. And he'd turn on his heels and he'd walk off. You know, when I got a third of a page photo in the Independent, I got a postcard from him. And it just had two words on it. Good girl <laughs> how extraordinary and he was it was amazing and um you know he said I'm not gonna tell you what to do because it's your gallery it's not my gallery but he had to find out who I was in order to work out what would work mm. for me and um I think he gave me the belief as well as some very practical Skills that I could, that I could do it. Wow, so wow. he was he was headhunted for the MOD when he was eighteen, and you know, um, so he was an extraordinary man. Wow. But he died at forty six. Great. Uh, I, I also found out he had he was deaf in one ear. He was, and you wouldn't ever know. He was yeah. He was a, a massive inspiration, and I'm I'm forever in his debt. So I do try and be generous with my time and try and help others in the way that he helped me. Yeah. That's amazing. It is amazing. What a gift. Yeah, it was, it yeah. was, it yeah. was. And then, you know, you can't make these hap- These things happen, but obviously if I hadn't been here, he wouldn't have been able to, right. to help me, right. um, but he definitely did. He was, uh, was an amazing, an amazing man.
0: So tell me about the name of your gallery. I did want to link
1: it to Sheffield, but didn't know quite how to do it. And we came across this word cupola, which nobody knows how to say or spell, which is great. Um, but in Sheffield, there is a dome-shaped steel smelting furnace called a cupola furnace. And I thought, well, that's quite good. I mean, you've got a crucible theatre, haven't you? So why not a cupola art gallery? Because we're a melting pot of creative endeavour.
0: <laughs> so fast forward... Multiple years, here you are now. How many artists have you shown?
1: Okay, we've worked here. out, we've shown the work of over 10,000 artists since I've been trading, which is extraordinary from Japan to Russia to Hungary to all over the world, all over the UK. Um It's been extraordinary from painting, to sculpture, to installation, to sound work, to performance. I've even had a wheelchair dance event in the gallery. Um, And I am not funded. I am not subsidized. It's if I don't sell things, I'm not here. Now, I have received an Arts Council grant once uh, in nearly 30 years for about 300 quid for my first marketing material. So there you go. And, and I did put on a mad festival in 2016, which did nearly kill me. And I did get Arts Council money towards that. Okay. But I think uh, I got about 20,000 20, out of Arts Council and it cost 80. Okay, So we had to raise the rest, right. which we didn't okay. quite. But there you go. Goodness. I'd love to hear about your own journey
0: as an artist as well, because I know that you paint. So tell me a little bit about that.
1: Well, the other thing was when I started the art gallery, I didn't think my own work was suitable for my own art gallery. Really? I know, bonkers, um, because I wanted to show more challenging work than I naturally produce myself. And so that was quite a big thing for me. I wanted it to be a contemporary art gallery. I wanted it to show things that you wouldn't normally see, you wouldn't normally have access to, and you certainly wouldn't be able to buy, you know, within this area. And, uh, and people still don't think some of the things that we show are available in Sheffield, and I know this. Because uh, I once had a, a, an artist in London saying, can you send this artwork that only you have to a client for me? And I said, yes, sure. And I found out the client was in S11, which is about 15 minutes away. <laughs> but of course, they didn't look in Sheffield because they didn't expect it to be here. You know, so that that still happens. But so my own artwork, I did intermittently as you can imagine it was very very tricky doing any of my own artwork really when running the gallery and then when i had my boys it virtually went out the window completely so i only really started painting um properly again i had a break of probably over 12 years Mm, um, in about 2014 when i kind of had a full-on you know midlife crisis breakdown all of that you know you might as well do it all and one of my customers um blessed them said you need a holiday and lent me their caravan on the northeast coast in sea houses and i went up there and i just went this is fabulous i want to paint it i didn't have my art materials with me did i So I said uh, to my lovely uh, customer, "Um, can I borrow it again? And she said, yes. And I went up for 10 days. I did 22 sketches while I was there and I've not stopped since. So that's been amazing. And so I've started painting again. And I've now this will last December will be two years anniversary of having a studio again because I've not had a studio for, you know, 28 years. Okay. And so that has been amazing. Taking a studio was a big leap again, and that's made such, such a difference.
0: It is amazing. And what are the things that inspire you when you paint?
1: Well, as as my experience in the Northeast Coast will tell you, the, the landscape is, is has always been my inspiration. And when I started you know obviously they were of places um because I was I I paint on I draw on site at pastels in particular and then I paint in my studio and it's moved from being kind of topographical and if you like impression impressionist Mm -hmm. through to quite expressionist and far more personal and so now the paintings are more about me Uh, than they are about um a specific place which is why uh my solo show um at the gallery soon um june july this year actually is going to be called of no places in particular because it's interesting um my work has gone through completely abstract very topographical abstract through to very clearly landscape again now but of no places in particular and and that's quite interesting because sometimes i paint and i'm like that reminds me of somewhere but i don't know where right. and so i'm using a lot of information that i've gathered from drawing on site and being to places and specifically to do with light and and channeling what i'm thinking about my emotional state my my anxieties my all, all of that into these these images i mean interestingly there's a painting we can see here actually um, that's got what i call black pool on it and these dark wells started appearing in paintings as soon as we voted for brexit (laughs) and i just thought this is really interesting because i'm not directly thinking about things but obviously I'm thinking there's a there's a hole there's a well of something murky that we don't know that just appeared in the work you know and that's always been there you know that I I, I paint these things and then I look at them and go oh what is that about and so so that's kind of how it works really that I love um I love the beauty the fragility the power. Um, of nature, and the fact that you know really compared to this planet, we are we are nothing you know and and I think nature inspires a humility in in me I specifically you know you watch a seed grow and you just go that 's amazing you know that 's a miracle that 's a total miracle. Mm-hmm a caterpillar becomes fully liquid before it turns into a butterfly how extraordinary is that mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. and so i'm interested in this this vastness really of of nature mm-hmm. and this the, the evocative power of it and how for so many people during lockdown it's been an absolute you know excuse the phrase but a godsend you know something outside of ourselves that can you know, um, give us pleasure and, and hope, I suppose. Mm -hmm. Um, so, so that, that's really where it is. And I don't know how it's going to develop. Um, but I'm making a point of trying to paint or draw every single day. I mean, I, um, I'm somebody that has learnt to count my blessings every single day you know, I'm aware that having clean running water and a roof over my head makes me 60% richer than the rest of the world, you know? It's, um, it's extraordinary. And, you know, people and artists, I get such a lot from artists um, because artists put their hearts on their sleeves and I get so much from artwork. That is, it's a huge joy um, I, I recorded a very short video during the first lockdown, which basically said, you know, I'm sat in my gallery and I'm looking at the stuff and I don't particularly like being inside buildings and, and I'm just going you know, it is this is so important. I get so much from it. It's not an extra, it's not a luxury. It is a core need. And I truly believe that, you know, for me it's visual arts. For other people it's music. For other people it's dance. But there is there is something. For my husband it's writing, it's literature. You know, we need something to feed our spirits. You know the the truth of the matter is you know we dance before we walk we sing before we talk you know it is it's core and you know um and i think having lost it for so many people lost these arts beauty pleasure principles during this lockdown so many people have gone actually i need this right
0: well, Karen, thank you so much for your time today. It's been such a treat listening to your story, listening to the journey of this gallery that shines as a beacon in Sheffield. Thank you again. You're welcome. Well, I hope you were inspired by this story from Karen Sherwood. I know I was listening to how she had a dream when she was 15 years old of owning an art gallery. And here she is on the 30th anniversary of Capola. You can find out more by going to Gallery.com. And if you've enjoyed today's episode, I would love to hear from you. Please drop me a line at fireflagnight.com and feel free to share this with others. Thanks again, everyone.